2: Or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Hi guys, and welcome back to You Need Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat. I'm the host. I am a therapist. And before we get into anything, we're gonna go ahead and lay it out that even though I am a therapist, this is not therapy and it cannot substitute as therapy as much as we want it to so if you're listening to this on the day that it is released then you're listening to this on valentine's day happy valentine's day and okay i know that a lot of people some people some of you listening hate this day because i mean it can be pretty annoying (laughs) For multiple reasons, especially if you're single or recently single, especially, especially, and you have to see everyone else having their, you know, perfect day with their perfect partner who buys them perfect flowers and they go to a perfect dinner and they eat a perfect set menu and they just have the perfect night while you sit at home with, I don't know, a frozen pizza and you have a Full conversation with your dog, or if you're me and you don't have a dog, you have a conversation with your puzzle. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be like that. I don't hate this day. I probably did in my past at some point. I don't hate it. I don't like look forward to Valentine's Day. I, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say I can't wait for Valentine's Day unless like you're expecting to like, you know, get engaged or like have something. You know what? I take that back. I loved valentine's day in elementary school because we always got to make those fun boxes out of tissue boxes where you got to put your valentines and then you got to like make valentines for your friends and you got all this candy and it was great because by valentine's day you'd already eaten whatever candy you'd gotten from christmas and you had that like stash of like the reject candy from halloween that's probably questionable at this time to eat but still there but usually for me it was like jolly ranchers and tootsie rolls which is weird because i love tootsie rolls now those would be one of the first to be eaten these days back then they were like in the bottom of the suitcase which was my halloween bucket how did we get here (laughs) i'm not sure you know what else i think about when i think about valentine's day it might be fresh in my mind because i went and saw mean girls a musical last week with some of my family and you know they have that part about the candy canes during christmas well in high school, where I went to high school, we didn't have that during Christmas, but on Valentine's Day, you could buy a carnation for somebody. And if you're wondering why carnations, those are like not the most beautiful flowers because they're like the cheapest, I think, uh, or one of the cheapest, but you could buy a, a carnation for people. It could be your friends, it could be like somebody you liked, it could be your crush, it could be boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And, uh, you know, I don't think I really got many. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think I liked. Valentine's Day in high school as much as I liked it in elementary school. Anyway, like I was saying, (laughs) I don't hate Valentine's Day. It doesn't have to be this like dark gloomy thing. It really doesn't. I enjoy parts of it. I like buying Valentine's candy. I like the displays. I like the decorations in stores. And I like watching rom-coms and like cheesy Valentine's movies. I like all that stuff. I like wearing shirts with hearts on them because I've already pre-planned my outfit for Monday, which is today. If you're listening on the day that this is being released, it is now Friday, but I already know what I'm going to be wearing. It is this so cute sweater from Anthropology. It's red and it has hearts on it. I've worn it once and I've been waiting for Valentine's Day to wear it again. I wore it on Christmas because it's, you know, you know, I just like a themed outfit sometimes. Really the point of all me saying this is that you don't have to hate this day. You don't have to love it. And it's okay that you don't love this day and look forward to it, but you don't have to hate it. It doesn't have to have this weight to it. Just because you're lonely when it comes to romance and romantic relationships, we don't have to demonize things that bring us some sadness or some jealousy or some loneliness. We can just accept them and have both. Like I can enjoy this day and also feel sad that it could be different or I wish it was different, but I can still enjoy it. Just like when you go on a walk, And it's really cold outside. You can still enjoy the walk, even though you wish the weather was different. Weird comparison, but we're going to go with it. Now, full disclosure, full disclosure. I originally wanted to make this episode. So this episode is 10 things being a therapist has taught me about romantic relationships. Well, I wanted to make this episode 10 things being a therapist has taught me about love. But then I started thinking about love and what it is. And I started to get very dizzy because what is love? What would we define love as? Love is a very weird word and thing. There are different kinds of love, and also there's the emotional experience of love, and that's different than the choice to engage in loving someone. And then there are these arguments between love being a feeling or love is a choice. And to be honest, I think that love has a lot of different meanings. But because we don't talk about that, then it becomes a debate, it has to be one or the other. And I was doing some research as I was preparing for this episode, and it's all over the place. For starters, if you do a Google search, like what is love? One of the first things you'll read is, and this is the first thing that popped up when I did a Google search, some researchers suggest that love is a basic human emotion, just like happiness or anger, while others believe that it's a cultural phenomenon that arises partly due to social pressures and expectations. And while I do agree with the idea that love is more of an action rather than a feeling, And I don't think that we fall in love. I don't think it's an accident. You don't trip into it accidentally. Rather, love becomes a choice we make based on our feelings and experiences. We choose to love someone based on how we feel about them and what we learn about them and what we know about them. And I believe that we confuse this with lust and awe and we use being in love as an excuse to stay in unhealthy relationships that can end up deteriorating our mental health. However, it's more complicated than this paragraph of words that i'm speaking to you. If you want like a, a visual of of how i was feeling as i was trying to define this, think about how many different ways you hear people talk about love. I love them. I love that thing. I was in love. I'm falling in love. I'm choosing to love them. I love them but i don't like them. I feel love. You are love. God is love. Like, you know, another article that i started reading I read like a couple sentences of it, but it was explaining love as a complex mental function, like something that you could compare to like memory or perception or like taste. It's a feeling. It's an action. It's a mental function. It's a new type of exercise. Love is one thousand. Love is God. God is. Are you spinning now too? Are you, do you? Are you feeling what I was feeling? <laughs> so. Today, we're gonna talk about love. It's gonna be in the conversation, but we're talking about romantic relationships, which in fact involve the feeling of love and the action of loving someone. Two of the biggest debates about what love is. Now, I think most of us have like gotten down into the idea that society sells us on this idea of love and relationships and their idea of what it is and what they sell us really can throw us for a loop. I grew up with this idea of what love should be like, what relationships should be like, what relationships should feel like, what they should look like on the outside. And I felt like I was hit by a truck when I stepped into the reality of relationships and dating and partnerships and and I've stepped into marriage now that I'm seeing the reality of what marriage really is. So now we're sitting here with society and what it's telling us and sending us and putting in our brains about love and relationships and what they should look like and be like. When should we, should we have them? When should we start to engage in them? When should we get married? When should we have kids? All this stuff. We have that. And then also these days, it's becoming more and more, we have to fight back towards that. And then we have to fight back towards now these loads of self-proclaimed relationship experts and dating coaches telling us also how we should feel and what we should want in a relationship. And I get asked all the time this question about attachment styles and if a certain style can be with each other. And speaking of attachment styles, we just did a whole series on that. We talked about attachment theory, the basics of it. Then we did an episode on avoidant attachment. Then we did an episode on anxious attachment. If you haven't listened to those, highly suggest them. Go back to the last three weeks and then this Wednesday, the Couch Talks will be an episode on the questions you guys sent in about those episodes. But getting back to what I was saying, I get asked all the time, like, can this style and this style be in a relationship together? Will this work? And I have feelings and thoughts on it. But generally, my answer is, it depends on the level of health that the people in the relationship want. And I believe that. And the reason that I answer the question that way is because I don't necessarily have to agree with a relationship that somebody's in or think that it's the optimal version of a healthy relationship. I don't get to tell somebody how they should be, who they should. I don't get to tell people that I can, if I'm working with you, tell you what I see and help you understand some experiences you're having in a deeper level. But if that's the experiences you want to continue to have, you get to choose that and I don't get to choose that for you. I get to ask people what they want and how they want to feel and then guide them into a space where that's possible. But I don't get to say, this is good. This is bad. You should want this. You should want that because we all want different things. And just because I might want this level of health, you might not. And there's a whole debate there, but we're not getting into that today. Hey guys, Kat here. And I have something next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code need at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you you need therapy after you check out.
0: A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then, fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.
2: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: So what I have done is compiled a list of 10 things that working in this field has taught me about relationships. I'm not going to tell you who to date, how to date them, but I am going to tell you a couple things that I've learned now that I've stepped outside of you know, the fairy tales of Disney, although those are quite nice, would be nice to live in that well, to an extent. To an extent, I think that the feminist in me wouldn't necessarily thrive in Beauty and the Beast. Maybe in some of the newer ones. In Canto, I would thrive. Maribel, I am with you. I am you, actually. Anyway, <laughs> I've compiled a list of 10 things I have learned from being a therapist about relationships when it comes to romantic relationships. And they're actually not even based on my personal dating experience. They're based on my experience of working as a mental health professional and the expertise that I've gained in that realm. Because you guys, if you are avid listeners to the podcast, you might know that one of my personal missions right now <laughs> is to spread the message and spread it as far and wide as I can. That personal experience does not equal expertise. So, I present to you 10 things being a therapist has taught me about romantic relationships. All right, number one, they can be both good and hard. They don't have to be one or the other. A relationship being easy or hard doesn't mean it's right or wrong. I'm sure that most of us have heard the phrase that sounds something like, or heard a version of this, the phrase that sounds something like, when you find the right one, it just should be easy. And it's just not that simple. First of all, what does easy even even mean? I, I feel like that's up for debate and that's a subjective term. And based on our past, what one person thinks is easy or normal in a relationship can be worlds different than someone else, because our arousal templates for conflict and pain can be very different and very greatly depending on our individual experiences. So this is just problematic from the get go. And Also, for someone who has an avoidant leaning attachment style, this really puts them in a bind because staying in a secure relationship is terrifying, aka not easy, but they have to learn to stay in a relationship for them to move towards a secure attachment style. So they can't win. And while I don't think the sentiment behind this is ill-intentioned, it can give both unrealistic expectations and excuses for people to get out of relationships when they're actually great. And what makes a little more sense here is that healthy relationships should feel consistent. I like that idea more than easy. But consistency is something that is less subjective than easy. Consistency is key in a lot of things, especially relationships. It helps us feel safe eventually. We know what to expect. And I think this is generally what people mean when they throw this idea out there. But words do matter consistency, I don't have to wonder. There are no games. So when you're in a relationship and if you're wondering, uh, how should this feel? Consistent, which might feel boring. And we talked about that in the attachment episode. So I'm not going to go back into that. Just go listen to that episode. The anxious one, I think we talked about relationships being boring. Okay, so that's number one. Let's go to number two. There is no perfect relationship or perfect partner. And that brings us to the myth of the soulmate, the other half, the perfect pair. Again, sounds awesome. Again, unrealistic. This sounds beautiful. It also sets us up for a lot of disappointment and gives us as well excuses to walk away from really great relationships. It also throws us into a comparison game, right? So one of my favorite exercises to do with clients is make them make a list of 20 things they're looking for in a partner. Then I ask them to narrow it down to 10. Then after we do that, I ask them to narrow it down to five. And then after we do that, I ask them to narrow it down to three. Usually by the time we get to three, they're like, are you kidding me? (laughs) And it can be excruciating, like a really painful process. But I tend to find kind of the same thing every time I do this with somebody. There are things that I want and there are things that I need in a relationship And I don't need all the things that I want. So we're not going to find the perfect person that has all 20 of these things. I'm going to find the person that fits appropriately. They have the things that I, which I call these when we get down to three. I was like, those are your non-negotiables. You don't get to have 20. That's a lot of non-negotiables. But those three, those are your yes and your no's. We have the idea of the perfect partner, we are looking for the 20. But we can be really, really happy and really, really satisfied with three. And when we say that there's a soulmate, we tell ourselves that we can have all 20. All right, number three it's human nature to feel loneliness and want a partner. We know this by now. I hope if you listen to the podcast often, like it is part of being a human to feel loneliness. And as part of being a human to desire connection with somebody and to want a partnership with somebody, it's not a weakness in you. This desire to date somebody or have a, that's not a weakness in you. That doesn't mean that you're needy. Actually, I mean, it kind of does mean you're needy. It, It doesn't mean you're too needy. It just means you have needs, relational needs. That's a good thing. We're wired to want this. We were created to want this. And we also were conditioned socially and culturally to want this. Like that's how our world is set up with partnerships. And then what's funny about this, not funny, annoying, frustrating. We get this weird feedback from people who usually have partners who are usually in relationships, which is a, I want to say funny thing about this funny thing but it's also just annoying as well (laughs) Um, but we get this feedback from people that are in relationships a lot or single people get this feedback that you need to become fully independent and self-reliant and learn to not want a partner to find one what first of all I don't think we can just anybody can will themselves to change their desires (sighs) technically there's an argument there we can condition ourselves but in a sense but underneath all of that conditioning will be an innate desire that will just be covered up and oftentimes off-putting defense mechanisms. So I just want people to know that it is okay and you are created to want this so you don't have to pretend like you don't to get it. That is one of the weirdest things and pieces of advice I have heard in my life and that I continue to hear people give. Like you just have to not want it and you have to go just be in love with yourself no, you can do both because I'm sure half the people that are saying that weren't fully independent and totally in love with themselves and who they, when they found their partner. Number four, intimacy is built with time and not just by information. So who has been on a date that ends up lasting for hours? You meet them and you start talking about like the weather or something like random and what you do for work and the typical things. And then like, 30 minutes later you're like two or three tequila sodas and processing your childhood trauma you're like how did we get here you leave not 30 minutes later hours later you leave thinking wow that felt so easy shout out to number one i felt so relaxed which also could be to the fact that you've been drinking um at this point And then you spend the evening after you get home texting until you fall asleep and then you fall asleep with your phone in your hand and you wake up to a text that reads good morning and this fairy tale thing happens and you're like, oh, we just like went so deep and such a short amount of time and he just knows me and I know him and we just get each other. That's not intimacy. That is not intimacy over and over. I joke about how I'll go on dates with people and (laughs) a lot of times there are dates that I, I don't know much about this person before I go on a date with them and then I leave with their entire life story entire life story like the deep dark secrets that you don't tell anybody else and I know everything about them and they maybe know like what my favorite color is which is purple if you were wondering I even now attempt to keep my job a secret not like a secret but I don't like really lead with that and try to keep that under wraps as long as I can, because I, I thought maybe, well, maybe that's happening because people think I'm a therapist and they feel safe and they can trauma dump with me because men already have a hard time sharing and being open and expressing things. And so I'm a woman and I am a therapist. So it's like safe on safe. And, you know, I don't think that is fully why it's happening. <laughs> I don't think it's just because of my job title. I do think that Was part of it, it could be part of it. And I do think that men don't have a lot of space to process emotions, yet they desperately want and need to. But I also think this is due to the fact that we really don't know how to create true intimacy in our world. We're not taught how to do that. A one night stand is not intimacy, that's sex. And while sex is something that helps create a deeper sense of intimacy and bonding in relationships, you can't create a deeper sense of intimacy if you don't have a level of intimacy created to begin with. Trust is part of an intimate relationship. And when we know somebody for a week, we don't have the experiences to build our trust on that we need. And then vulnerability is at play here too, right? What is vulnerability? It's showing up with your whole self, inviting in the unknown. And when we trauma dump, we can bypass vulnerability in a really weird way. Like, I don't really know you, so the stakes are low. I tell you all my deepest things And then you're like, you're not for me, not a huge loss. There's not much invested. I don't even really trust you yet. And I also might have the belief that my stuff is so weird and big and bad that no one will love me anyway. So this in quotes, vulnerability is really a way to end this before my feelings are actually involved. It's not vulnerability at all. It's a strategy to avoid that. And then if I do build a relationship with you, I already did the thing. I already told you all the stuff, so I don't have to be vulnerable anymore. So what I'm saying really is in this whole thing is that intimacy doesn't happen by snapping your fingers. It happens by investing in a relationship.
0: A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season... Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then, fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.
2: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating
1: Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Number five. I forget where I read this the first time, but I really liked this phrasing, so I'm going to use it. That love is... Like peeling an onion, it's not like biting an apple. And we tell ourselves we're in love with someone when what we mean is that we're infatuated with them, right? We really like them. We have, feel a sense of lust. We're lusting over someone. We're not necessarily loving them yet. Loving someone is, is really hard. Lust, well, that feels really good all the time, like like a, a fun drug. The first layer of a relationship is not love. It can't be that. Like love at first sight, it. Eh not totally a thing you might have some really cool feelings at first sight and then that turns into something else but I think that's a myth that really screws with people because we go on these dates or we meet people or we get in relationships and we're like oh there weren't fireworks the first time I met them and it's like well that's okay that's okay I didn't fall in love with them at first sight and I want that fairy tale well the reason that it's a fairy tale is because it's not real so Love happens when you peel layers back. Love happens when you get to know somebody, when you see who they are, not just when you see what somebody's projecting or what you see, what somebody wants you to see. It's when you really see them. Going back to the one before, like intimacy, there was a therapist at, his name was Bobby Chapman. He was a therapist at the treatment center that I worked at. And he would always say, intimacy, into me, you see. To explain intimacy, like intimacy is when you really see me, you and see inside my soul, not just you don't just like see my face. So love is not biting into an apple. So number six, I have to swallow my pride a little bit, which to be honest, isn't as dramatic as I just made it sound. (laughs) I feel like I do this kind of often. But years ago, a couple years ago, I posted this quote and I will forever cringe at myself but I cringe with grace because I believe that changing our minds is a great thing and we can do that when we get more information and I've gotten more information through being in this field longer and it's something that a lot of people have probably heard. I don't know where I originally heard it, but I hear it pretty often now and the phrase is if someone wants to be with you, they will. If they don't, you'll be confused and it's not totally wrong. It's not totally right. I get the sentiment and I get what it's getting at, but it's not all encompassing. So I want to change it to number six, if someone wants to be with you, it doesn't necessarily mean they will. But if someone has the ability to be with you and they want to be with you, they will. Again, too many factors here to make like a blanket statement like this and then have it be like the hill you wanna die on. And I wanted to include this because I think a lot of people need to hear that sometimes it really is true that it's not you, it's them. Now, this does not mean that you should force the relationship and it's okay if they just don't like you too. Like that's a thing that it's, that's okay. But there is true to that cliche statement sometimes. And truly I've wanted to make things work with people and then it just couldn't work. Not because I didn't like them because either I wasn't in a place or they were in a place or there was another factor going on. So if someone wants to be with you, doesn't necessarily mean they will. But if someone has the ability to be with you and they want to be with you, they will. Number seven, timing does matter, but there is no such thing as perfect timing. And this debate annoys me <laughs> almost as much as the debate of what is love. That doesn't annoy me, that just makes me dizzy. It's not one or the other like timing or timing doesn't matter, timing's not a thing. Like it is a thing, but there's not perfect timing sometimes we meet the right people at the wrong time sometimes we meet the wrong people at the right time sometimes we have to make choices because we actually contrary to society's agenda can't do it all relationships take time and we need to build them we also need time to heal from past relationships our relationships affect all aspects of our lives so timing does matter it could make or break a situation or a relationship But we also can't wait for perfect timing to engage in those things or to end those things. Oh oh God, whoever needs to hear this, there will never be perfect timing. There will never be the right time to end a relationship that you want to leave. There's always going to be a thing. Well, it's the holidays. It's his birthday. There's a wedding coming up. I'm doing this thing. He needs me to watch this. It's just going to suck probably. I don't have a way to make that any prettier. So let's move on to number eight. If you don't have conflict in your relationship, that can be a red flag. There is rupture in healthy relationships. There are disagreements. There are fights. But there is always repair. Conflict is necessary to build intimacy. It really does help. And Amy and I on her podcast, Four Things with Amy Brown, if you haven't ever listened to that podcast, it's awesome. And I've started doing her Tuesday episodes with her where we chat about random stuff And a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about this episode of Tim Ferriss's podcast when Brene Brown was on, and he said that his girlfriend at the time, I don't know if they're still together, he described her as always fighting clean. So they fight, they just fight clean, they fight kindly. Like we need to have conflict because it helps us learn about people. When we have conflict, a lot of times there's a need, and I think conflict comes into relationships to help them. If we didn't care, then we wouldn't have conflict, we would just leave. And also when we have conflict, it lets us sit deeper in our own sense of self and lets us know that we're important and our things matter, our needs matter, our thoughts matter, our feelings matter. So if you don't have conflict in your relationship, red flag. However, you might need to reorganize what your thought of conflict is. And I think that's sometimes why we don't engage in conflict, because we see it as this big, scary, bad monster when It's actually just a normal, healthy part of being a human being. Nine, there isn't anything wrong with you if you're not in a relationship. And I would just like to encourage people to stop asking single people why they're single. (laughs) And single people, stop asking other people why you're single. Stop asking yourself why you're single. As if there is this like, Big bad answer. Because a lot of times, and we're meaning making people, so we want to make sense of everything. And if I knew why I was single, then I can fix it. A lot of times there's just not an answer because you just are. Most single people know how frustrating and hurtful that question can be. However, every person in a relationship who asks that question seems to have memory loss because they continue to ask that question all the time. (laughs) Oh, you're so beautiful. Why are you single? Or you're so successful. Why are you single? It's like, well, I don't think my beauty or my success are reasons why I would be in a relationship. It's not who I am. I I hope that's not why you're in a relationship. Somebody was like, oh, she makes a lot of money. Boom. Want to be with her. Or he's hot. Boom. I want to be with him. Those aren't the reasons why we're in or out of relationships. It's who we are. It's who we're around. It's a lot of factors. Now, shall we move to number 10? Number 10, there is not a gold standard. We all can have different relationship goals. I want somebody who's going to make up dances to, we don't talk about Bruno. And if you haven't seen Encanto, this is my second reference to that movie today. Go watch it or just go listen to that song. And someone else might want someone who can tell every ingredient of a bottle of wine by the first drop that lands on their tongue. That might be something that they want in a relationship that they think is really cool. Someone might want a partnership that includes juggling four kids and two full-time careers, and another may want to build a business together child-free with their partner. There can be different goals for different people, and you can develop your own relationship goals. You get to ask yourself, what do I want versus what I am told is good. What I am told is goals. You can look inward, and I want to encourage everybody, whether you're in a relationship or out of a relationship right now. I want you to look at what are my relationship goals, not the goals that I see on TikTok, not the goals that I see on Instagram, not the goals that I see in the new romantic comedy on Netflix. What would my relationship goals be? Because at the end of the day, you're the one that's gonna be sitting in that relationship. So if you don't want somebody who's gonna be asking to make a choreographed dance with you on a Friday night to a Disney song, then that doesn't have to be your goal. And that's okay. Now that wraps up our special Valentine's Day episode. I hope that was helpful in some way for you guys. As always, that's my hope. And I want to remind you guys that if you ever have questions, if things pop up while you're listening or just in your life, you can email me those questions, katherine at unitherapypodcast.com. And you can follow the podcast, at uni therapy podcast and you can follow me at cat.defada on instagram and you can also rate the podcast if you haven't i am just going to ask you for a nice valentine's day favor scroll to the bottom of apple Podcasts and just give us as many stars as you can i would appreciate that and you can leave a little note if you want to And if you love this episode or any episodes, we'd also love it if you shared them on Instagram and tagged us. It makes me really happy when I can see people are listening and enjoying what we're putting out. So love you guys. What do I mean by love? I appreciate you guys a lot and I appreciate you listening and being with me in whatever it is that I tend to put out every week so I hope you guys have the day you need to have have the valentine's day you need to have you can be obsessed with it you can hate it you can have a mixture of both but know that it doesn't have to be all bad and doesn't have to be all good it can be what you need to have today so I will talk to you guys on Wednesday and uh, I guess I'll just wrap this up bye